This morning I want to do three things really. Um, I want to educate us, I want to equip us, and then I want us to grow in a degree of expectancy. So I'm going to talk about what the spiritual gifts are, uh, how they operate, uh, etc. I'm going to talk about how we might operate in them, and then I'm going to seek to encourage us to have a greater expectancy for God to use them amongst us. And I think it's amazing this morning that as we were um, worshipping together, that the Word of God came, didn't it, this morning, really clearly. Uh, and I, I mean, I think there were three or four different messages that really kind of tied together and really was bringing the Word of God. And I, uh, I'm going to ask later who really uh, felt that some of those things were for them. Um, because I think it's important that we realise the impact that bringing things of the Spirit into our gatherings and into our times together and when we're with each other is so important in the healthy growth of us as followers of Christ. Amen? So I'm going to really work from one passage this morning. I've deviated away from Ephesians. Uh, and I'd like us to read, uh, if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them because I'm going to stay largely in this passage, really, uh, in Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is probably the most famous passage on the use of the spiritual gifts. Samson's not going to fall asleep today, are you, Samson? You've already told me that. <laughs> Good. He's looking, looking very attentive. So this is what Paul says to the Corinthian church. Now the Corinthian church, uh, if you know anything about them, so the context of this letter is that they were very good at spiritual gifts. But it was a little bit like a kind of, um, I don't know how you describe it, it was a little bit like a firework display, I think. Obviously there was stuff going off everywhere and it was almost quite uncontrolled uh, and people were getting hurt and damaged and they were doing, they were more interested in spiritual gifts than they were in other things. And so Paul's writing to essentially set them straight on how we should operate in the spiritual gifts. So it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another kind, to, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but to one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So as I said, I want this morning to spend really quite a lot of our time uh, talking about how Paul understands the spiritual gifts and how we are to understand them. I'm not going to spend lots of time talking about each and every spiritual gift. All right? I think what I'm trying to do today is a sense set a framework for how we are to use the gifts and what the purpose is of them. Uh, and maybe at some other point in the future we'll do a series which looks in more depth at the gifts specifically. So part of the, that process of kind of, I suppose, education 
what is it that uh, the spiritual gifts are all about, there are many questions that we're going to ask. Uh, and the first question we're going to ask is, well, who gives the spiritual gifts? Uh, now, it can be very misleading, I think, to view the spiritual gifts as something separate to God. Now, this is really important. We can almost view the spiritual gifts like objects uh, or uh, uh, kind of special powers, yeah? I mean, we love, who loves a good sort of superhero series on Netflix, yeah? Right, or a tea, or a, a my mum does, don't you, mum, right? Okay, mum and dad are here today. Mum loves, right, any sci-fi show that involves uh, special people with special powers, right? Okay, and uh, does anyone remember this, the, the TV show Heroes, by the way? That was an amazing TV series. That first season was incredible, the rest of it was rubbish, right? Okay, but the whole idea with these people that had these special powers that sort of came from somewhere. But if we think about spiritual gifts like that, we are misunderstanding how the spiritual gifts are meant to operate, okay? Because when Paul says in verse 1, let's go back to verse 1, now concerning the spiritual gifts, Actually, if you read the, the Greek, as Pete probably does there, right, he's got a Greek Bible, the, the word gifts isn't actually in the translation. It's really, the, 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 the better way of correcting it is to say, now concerning the spirit, or concerning the spiritual. Because what Paul is trying to say, as we're about to see in a moment, is Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthians that it's not a group, like having the spiritual gifts is not a set of special magic powers. When you get the spirit, the spiritual gifts, what you're getting is the Holy Spirit. You're getting God. And if you separate those things out, you're all immediately on a path towards danger, right? And so we see here, right, I'm going to, I've highlighted it for you, right, it's interesting that the word same appears so often in this text. It says, the verse is gifts, but the same spirit, but the same Lord, the same God, the same spirit, the same spirit, the same spirit. When you use that word as often as that in the, in the space of a few sentences, it's clear, isn't it, that Paul is trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point to the Corinthians. And who knows anything about Greek, Greek culture? Anyone know anything about Greek culture? Just me that did an A-level in classics then? Yeah, okay. Um, we all know, don't we, about Greek gods. Right, you learn it in primary school. Yeah? Anyone name a Greek god? Apollos, Zeus, yeah? And, in it, and they had all these different, Athena, Aphrodite, etc. They all had different gods. And each of these gods had different areas and different powers. And essentially what Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthians is there are lots of different gods, each with a special power that you can tap into. It's the one and the same God. It's the same spirit. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. It's Jesus. It's Jesus' life outworked through us through the Holy Spirit. And so when we want the, more of the, when we talk about the spiritual gifts, what we're actually saying is we want more of the Holy Spirit. And that's why this verse here, right, which I've highlighted in blue, is different. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to all, to, to each one for the profit of all. When the gifts turn up, it's the Spirit that's turning up. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's the evidence and the outworking of the Holy Spirit at work in our meetings. And this is very, very important. Because if we're not careful, if we don't understand that the spiritual gifts essentially are the Holy Spirit, we can end up chasing power 
or objects or gifts. And that, in my opinion, is where the church has often gone wrong in the past, where you get these excesses of people that are trying to move in certain magic powers. But really, what Paul is saying is it's the Spirit. What you need is more of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you say, Lord, we want more of the spiritual gifts in our meetings, in our gatherings, when we're all together one-to-one. What you're actually saying is we want more of the life and the presence of Jesus. Amen? And we feel safe with that, don't we? That's safe. That's not weird. That doesn't have to be odd or strange. Okay? So that's the first point we need to understand is that who gives the gifts? It's the Holy Spirit and it's the expression of his life amongst us. But there are also a number of other questions that we need to answer about the spiritual gifts. Things like, well, who can use the spiritual gifts? What are the spiritual gifts? What is the purpose of the spiritual gifts? All very good questions, aren't they? But I think in order to answer those questions, we need to have a real deep understanding of the grace of God. And I want to explain to you why I believe the grace of God is so important when we want to understand the spiritual gifts. Now, there are two things that we often talk about in church. The first is mercy, and the second is grace. Now, I've written this up here because I think it's a, a good definition. Mercy, right, is when we don't get what we do deserve. So, Mark, if Mark is rude to me, right, and throws water over me, right, and was rude to me, if I slapped him in the face and said, what are you doing, Mark, right, for doing that, as probably happened as we were children, right, Mark is getting what he deserves, if, as he, if, he, if Mark, as he was in his younger days to me, very irritating, and I choose not to give him what he deserves, which was a sound beating, right, okay, I am being merciful because I am not giving him what he deserves. you understand? Right? Now, I think as a church, we get this. We get mercy. We're very good at telling each other that we're not very good, aren't we? Yeah? And we're very good at reminding ourselves, as Peter has beautifully done, he has explained the mercy of God this morning when he stood up and shared. We know that we need the cross because we are unworthy of God's love for us. We get that. I'm not sure we really understand grace because grace is something wholly more. What grace is, is when we do get what we don't deserve. We do get what we don't deserve. I've got three boys and Helen and I have a slight problem right, when it comes to our children, which is that every birthday and Christmas, right, uh, this is just one of the problems, we have many problems, <coughs> but this is just one of the problems we have. Uh, when we come to birthdays and Christmas, we always deliberate over whether we've given our children too much right, at Christmas or for their birthdays. And we, we debate and we argue because we're saying, oh, is it too much? Have we given them too much? Are we spoiling them? But my heart and Helen's heart towards our children is I would, if I could, I would give them a car for every birthday, right? If I could, I would buy them all the Lego I could. If I could, I would get them every Xbox game that I could because my heart as a father is I want to give everything I possibly can because I love them. Not because they've earned an extra Xbox game or they've earned a car or they've earned this. But anyone, who's, who's, who's got kids here? Is that how you feel about your kids? You do. 
You want to give it to them, not because they've done something special, they've earned it, because you do. And the only reason you withhold it is because you're skint. No, <laughs> no it's not. There are two reasons why we don't give the gifts, isn't there? The first is that we can't, obviously there's a limit to what we can afford, right? And our resources are limited. But also, the only reason we don't is because we know it's not good for them. And at times, the only often reason we don't give them too much stuff is because we don't want them to become spoiled and we don't want them to be entitled. And so we actually withhold the gifts from them, not because we don't love them, but because it's what's good for them. Now, what I want to say to you is we are sons and daughters of God, are we not? We have a loving father. And, the, and Jesus says, and there's a, there's a famous verse where Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, uh, and I wrote it down, it says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, God is unlimited, is he not? So he doesn't have a cap on how much he can give. And so the only reason he withholds things from us is because it's for our own good. But what we have to understand about grace is that God's heart towards us is to give to us and to give more to us and give more to us and more to us. And I don't think we really get this. I think that we think that the amount of stuff that God wants to give us is in direct proportion to how good we've been or how devout we've been as a Christian or how kind we've been to our neighbours or really what we think about ourselves. Amen? I don't know if that's just you, but I have to say that God has been teaching me, Tim, I love you. I'm like, yeah, God, I know you love me. But he's like, no, no, Tim, I love you. And I want to give to you. And I'm like, I'm not sure I really deserve that, God. But he's like, I don't care whether you deserve it or whether you don't deserve it. I still want to give it to you anyway. And you see, when we think about the spiritual gifts, we have to realise, as I'm about to explain, that they are an expression of the grace of God to us. Right, so how does this outwork, this grace of God, when it comes to the spiritual gifts? Why have I uh, set myself on this? Well, um, we'll come to this in a second. The, the Greek word, now I'm not a Greek scholar, and so I don't want to mess around. I was having a chat to David a few weeks ago, and he said to me, sometimes a knowledge of a little thing is way worse, right, because it's dangerous to know a little thing and to get it wrong, right? But I, I did, so I was very cautious about this, and I did do my reading and my homework, and I don't want to be schooled by the Greek scholar over there. Um, <clears throat> uh, but the word grace in the Greek New Testament is the word charis. That is the word for grace. So what we, when we talk about grace, the word is charis. Now the word, if we were to go back here, and to look here, where it says gifts... The diversities of gifts, and here, uh, where is it, in uh, verse 9, where it says the gifts of healing. Do you know what the word in Greek for those, the word gifts is? Charismata. It is an extension of the word grace, which is where we get the expression charismatic. We're a charismatic church, which means we are a gifts of the spirit church but really what Paul is saying is it's not again they are when we talk about the spiritual gifts they're not actually spiritual gifts they're gifts of grace they're grace gifts it is God extending his grace to the church it is God extending his grace to you when you are moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit you are moving in the grace of God and this is so significant I cannot tell you how significant it is that we view the spiritual gifts as gifts of grace not as some magic power that we are to exercise 
And so why is this so important that we understand that the spiritual gifts are gifts of grace? And if you, Paul uses, by the way, as a side note, if you look in uh, Corinthians chapter, uh, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, again, Paul uses this same phrase, the grace that was given to me, and he talks about grace in the context of gifts. And this is why it's so important. It has two impacts. Firstly, it impacts us personally. When we realise that the the spiritual gifts are actually extensions and gifts of grace, it changes the way that we view them. Firstly, you may think that you are unworthy to minister in the spiritual gifts. Anyone feel like that? I know I have. What does God's grace mean? It's irrelevant. It is irrelevant. Oh, yeah, but I... I haven't been to school. I, I dropped out of school when I was 12. God, didn't, God doesn't care, right? Oh, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not very good at lots of different things. God doesn't care, right? I, I haven't been a very good Christian for very long. I've only been a Christian for a few years. God doesn't care. Why? Because they're gifts of grace. They're not natural gifts that you've earned and you've developed and you've worked at. They are given by God because he chooses to, because he's a father that wants to give you gifts. Now, anyone heard of a guy called Smith Wigglesworth? Right? Some of you who have been around for a while will have heard around of a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. He lived uh, between about 1850 to 1800, uh, 1870, to, uh, died in about 1947, I think. And he was one of the most powerful men of the spirit this country has ever known. Right, he was he was a bit nuts. Right, he once healed his wife's his one of his friends' wife's ha- uh, of cancer in her stomach by punching her in the stomach. That's a whole different story. All right, but he was a man of immense power. Do you know how he started life? He was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. He started as he was so poor that he had he didn't go to school. He had to help his mum and dad in the fields. Once he kind of got enough education, he then managed to become a plumber. And for many years, he was a plumber. And he carried on being a plumber until the Lord called him to preach full time. And for many years, I think I read this in his, I couldn't find it this morning when I was researching. But for many years, he was even apathetic about God. For years, he just kind of was a bit like, I can't really be bothered with God until God kind of met him. And God turned this guy who was illiterate, who had not really followed God very passionately, uh, who was a plumber and was a nobody really, and turned him into the man that had the most spiritual power in probably the last hundred years. So do not, you dare sit there this morning and say, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Because you are misunderstanding the grace of God. These are grace gifts given to you because God chooses to, because he loves to, because he wants to. And it's given, and this is what's key. Verse 7, who's it given to? Oh, it's given to the special ones. No, no, no. What does it say? Given to each one. Every single one of us this morning, if we have had an, uh, been filled with the Holy Spirit, we have got the gifts of the Holy Spirit within us, and you don't even know it, probably. Hey? We're going to get there, Samson. Stop jumping ahead. Great question. Great question. The other thing that we know about grace gifts is what we see in verse 11, which says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Why is it so important they're grace gifts? Because you can turn around and say, look at that person over there. They just healed someone. I've never healed anyone. 
I've never, I don't think I've ever prayed for anyone and they got healed. Oh, I wish I was like them. It's not fair. Why do they get what they get? Look at that person. They give this amazing like word of knowledge and the person's weeping and like as though they've, you know, the best things ever happened to them and they've spoken into their life and broken bondage of 25 years and, and you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm rubbish. But the great thing about grace gifts is you just have to do what the Lord's given you to do. It's a gift thing. I don't know why the Lord has made me a leader and he hasn't made other people a leader. It's not because I'm special. It's because the Lord chose it. I didn't choose it. It just kind of happened, right? Why is it that, you know, some people have got the gift of prophecy and I don't? I don't know. But I don't worry about it because it's a grace gift. And this is so important. Secondly, why is it so important that they are grace gifts to us corporately as a church? Well, I think it's for this, that God wants to bless his church abundantly. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God wants this church just to be so blessed and so blessed and so blessed with so many different gifts? If you imagine that this church is, as we've talked about, is the bride of Christ, isn't it? And if you've got a bride that you love, again, you want to spoil her. And the Lord Jesus wants to spoil his church with grace, with the grace of the gifts that come and flow. And so when we withhold the gifts of the Spirit, we are withholding the blessing and the gifts of God to his bride. Right? And this is so important that we understand this, because we can think, oh, well, you know, you know maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't say anything, or maybe I shouldn't pray for that person, I shouldn't do this. When you say that, and when you are doing that, you are withholding the grace of God to other people. Isn't that incredible? And I just think it's amazing. And, and you see, the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to do what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, right? It is for everybody else. And this is so important. You're, the gifts of the Spirit, right, are grace gifts for the blessing and the growth of the church. They are not for you to go around going, profit, deal with it, Yeah? Or like walk around and be like, yeah, I'm the healer. You come here. I'll just heal you right now. Right? It's not about ego, is it? Because if, it can't be about ego because it's a gift of grace. It wasn't your gift in the first place. Someone's given it to you. You might be amazing right, with a power tool. But you didn't buy the power tool. Someone gave it to you. This is so important. So it says, verse 7 of this, it says that the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of Oh, so when you minister, it's not for you, it's for everybody else, right? What does he say? Paul then goes into chapter 14, uh, which is all really kind of the same part, of the same kind of train of thought, really. Uh, verse 3, and I've just picked out some. There are five uh, expressions of the concept of building up. He said, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Why? For their upbuilding and encouragement. When you prophesy, it's not to show everyone how amazing you are and how amazing your, your relationship with God is that you hear things that no one else does. It's for the upbuilding of everybody else. Verse 4 says, so that the church may be built up. Right? Verse 12 says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So we do not have the choice of saying, oh, I don't think spiritual gifts are for me. If you do that, you are, I believe, withholding the grace of God for others in the church. You are limiting God's ability to build up 
the church in this place. If we are actively saying, I am resistant to that. And for many of us, that might be scary. Because we're thinking, hang on a second, the spiritual gifts, that's for those people over there that are special, anointed, chosen. And I am telling you, it's not. It is given to every single one of us, and every single one of us has a responsibility to build up the church. Amen. What do I hear? Amen. Good. Amen. That's Samson, you're on fire this morning. <coughs> So, did anyone hear, and I, I think it's really interesting this morning, there was so much prophecy in this morning's meeting, um, and I really did feel it was the word, that what was being spoken was the word of the Lord. Sometimes you hear things and you think, that's great, but that's not necessarily God speaking, that's just an encouragement. Um, and and do, do you hear what, did anyone hear what Dad was sharing, what Dad, Dad prophesied? Basically what Dad said, I'll, I'll paraphrase, right? Forgive me if I get it wrong, you probably don't remember what you said. Um, <laughs> He's probably, he's probably forgotten. He's nearly, he's nearly at pensionable age. Um, um, he said, when we speak something, we create something in others that wasn't there. As we speak, it doesn't just encourage, it creates something new in people. And, I, and that is an example of how the grace of God is outworked through the spiritual gifts. As you minister in your spiritual gifts... I believe it's the grace of God that is doing something in other people, right? And I'm not just talking about in a public meeting. I'm saying when you spend time on a one-to-one basis with someone and you say, do you know what, I just feel that God is saying X, Y, and Z to you about this, that can create something that was not there and God is using you to create something in other people. I mean, right? And, and this is the purpose of the gifts. It's to build up and create things in the church. So... So what we've talked about is we've talked about uh, who, who the gifts come from. Uh, we've answered the question of, um, I'll remind myself of the questions I was going to ask. Um, yeah, uh, of who can use the spiritual gifts. We've asked the question of, um, of what is their purpose. But now we need to ask the question, well, what are the spiritual gifts then? So what are they? Um, and really, if you looked at this passage that we've just been talking about this morning, um, Let's go back to it. I, I think they are divided into three sections. Okay, three sections. These are my sections. These are not like Paul doesn't do this. This is my interpretation of it. Right, you can choose. I think really the grouping is to some extent just helpful rather than, than definitive. So really you have revelation gifts, right, which are knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. You have power gifts, right, <clears throat> which are faith, healing, miracles. And you have, which I have called, development gifts. Administration, service, helps, leadership, generosity, exhortation. Now, the first thing I want to say about these gifts is that these are not exclusive lists. Now, th this is the list that I showed you from last week, a list from Romans 12 and a list from 1 Corinthians, right? There are others mentioned, things like even the gift of celebrity. That's a spiritual gift, right, according to many people. I don't believe, right, when you look at the list, Paul did not write the same list every single time. So if Paul had wanted to be very clear, he would have written the same list every single time. What he's basically doing, he's just going, and this, and this, and oh yeah, this one, and this one as well, and this one as well. Because what he's kind of saying is, is these are some of the gifts. There are lots of spiritual gifts in the church, and you don't have to get so bound down into right, whether I fit this exact list or this list, or whether I'm in this box or that box. What Paul's saying is, let me give you some examples. 
This is an example of that. You know, you've got you know, the gift of, of prophecy over here and the gift of service over here and, and leadership and, and healings and, and they're just lots of gifts. And it's what he's saying is there's lots and lots of gifts that are given to the church. We do not need to worry about being over the top about exactly which one's which, uh, although I think looking at some of them in more depth is helpful. So the first thing I want to say to you is that what the gifts are is anything... Right? This is what I believe anyway, is that anything that is empowered by God to bless and bring about the growth of the church and people in the church. So spiritually, things that are spiritually empowered. Right. Um, so what are these gifts then? So let's go back to uh, this list. So what are the revelation gifts? Well, the revelation gifts are really simply speaking forth in human words, all right, something God has spontaneously brought to mind. So, basically, I feel God is saying something to me that I need to share, either with an individual or with a group. That's what revelation gives us. So, it could be a word of knowledge, it could be a word of wisdom, it could be a prophecy, it could be, to some extent, discernment. I think that maybe that's not right, and that is. Uh, it could be tongues, which is where we speak in a, in a spiritual language, uh, and then there needs to be interpretation of those tongues to, con to explain what God is saying. So these are revelation gifts. I think revelation gifts are really important in the, in the church because they bring the word of God to people that need to hear it. They're also very important in protecting the church. So if, you know, uh, someone is doing something that's wrong or the church is being going down a wrong direction or a people's lives, possibly bringing the word of God helps to protect people and keep people safe. They're also very helpful in guiding the church as to what the church should do. Um, I want to ask a question this morning. Helen shared, to illustrate this point, Helen shared, and I'm going to ask people to be brave this morning, Helen shared a word, which I, when she was sharing it, I really thought it was, it was of the Lord. Um, when I heard it, I thought, yeah, that's the word of the Lord, because I'd been feeling the same thing all the way through the meeting. And it was a word about people that feel unworthy. It was a word about the fact that if you feel unworthy, you don't need to continue to feel unworthy. Can I ask a question? By the show of hands, and this is a, this is a, a challenge, but also an encouragement, was that, did anybody feel that word bless them, encourage them, was for them in any way? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. The word of revelation has come to the church and you've, and I could hear it in Steve's prayer. The Lord had done something. The Lord had ministered to Steve in that moment and I just, because I could hear Steve praying. So that word was really important in building people up, wasn't it? Just really practically this morning. The next word I just want, was, and I didn't quite catch everything that David said, um, but I think it was, I heard the first bit of what he said, which was, it's basically along the same lines as what Pat said. So I'm going to, um, which was that Pat made a comment about, he said he felt the Lord had a word that we don't have to be the same as our family. That was what he said, wasn't it? Can I, anyone else feel that that was a word for them? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Easy, oi! Watch it. So Pat shared a word about not being the same as our family and that word has encouraged and built up and ministered to the church. Really practically this morning, that has happened and people have been built up because of the contribution. Now, if Pat had not shared that, these people would not have been encouraged. 
If Helen had not had the courage to share that, other people would not have been blessed. So when you withhold your gift of revelation, you're withholding the grace of God this morning because maybe someone that put their hand up just came in this morning thinking, oh, I'm really struggling and has been encouraged by that. Has anyone come in this morning and been really fed up and those, those words have encouraged them? Yeah. Amen. This is what church is, guys. This is why the spiritual gifts are so important. If we hadn't have had the spiritual gifts, maybe Tony would have walked out feeling the same as he walked in. So we need the revelation gifts, don't we? Amen. Um, they operate very differently, by the way. They're not all uh, prophetic words in the meeting. I would say that I don't particularly have a strong gift of prophecy, although I do think from time to time I do prophesy. I think that the Lord is releasing in me, and this is just a comment, you may disagree, um, but I believe God is increasing my ability to bring a word of wisdom. I've increasingly found myself in situations where people ask my opinion about something and, and I say something and they're like, that, that's really helped me guide and direct what I ought to do with my life. It's not a particular word of knowledge or insight into their personality or to what's going wrong, but it's bringing, often I'll be talking and someone will say, Jack, that has really helped me know what to do next. I'm just beginning to experience that, right, in my own life. And so, and I, I, again, really we need to spend a lot more time talking about how these actually outwork. And I, we, it's really a separate sermon on each of these. So I don't want to spend ages talking about each of them. Okay, what about the power gifts then? Right? What about the power gifts? These are the gifts that involve God doing something. God does something. Right? It's not just God speaks, but God actually physically tends to do something. Um, and so I would say that the purpose of the miracle gifts, or the power gifts, sorry, is, first of all, to bring wholeness. God's heart is to make us whole, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And so the gift of healing is not necessarily just physical, although I do think it is physical. It's also about spiritual healing, right? Or emotional healing. It brings wholeness to the church. The other thing that the power gifts are for is, I don't know about you, but when you see God do a miracle or you see God get healed, right? I remember uh, there was a a time in Eltham, uh, and some of us who were in Eltham at that time remember when Kezia Watson, who uh, was... Uh, a member of the church for quite a number of years and moved into Australia. Very Lots of family connections, aren't there, with Kezia? And she got hit by a car, uh, T-boned by a car, and she was in hospital uh, with massive brain trauma and fighting for life. Do you remember? And, and uh, the church gathered to pray. Anyone that meets Kezia now, I mean, like, she is a miracle. She's getting married in January, right? She is, I mean, literally, they, they never thought she would survive. I mean, the, the, the brain injury was horrendous. I mean, like, really, really bad. You remember, don't you? It was, it was, it was horrific, wasn't it? They were saying there was so little chance. And, and we prayed, and lots of people around the world prayed, and the whole church gathered for several evenings, didn't they, to pray for her. And, and she, 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 truthfully, is a walking miracle, You can't even see the scars, can you? It is just unbelievable what the Lord has done. And out of that, God builds confidence, doesn't he? Confidence that he is a God that can do whatever he wants to. And so the power gifts, I think, build confidence in the church in who God is and what he's capable of doing, right? So there's uh, the power gifts bring confidence. They also show the goodness of God to unbelievers. Why do you think healing on the streets has been so successful around the country? Because when people see the touch of healing on their life, they are responding to God. And Testimony all the time is gospel 
absolutely. As she's had this testimony of being healed, she's, she's ministered to God and told other people about it. So these power gifts are important, I think. They're not just about me showing off. Right? There's a lovely video on, on YouTube of like some of these healer preachers that wander around with a coat, that swing a coat around and everyone falls down. I, don't, I think that's a misunderstanding of what the power gifts really are. I don't really think that's how God intends them to be used. Right? Um, they are about ordinary people, ordinary people saying, do you know what, I really feel like... Like someone is praying, I know one, a friend of ours is praying for Gemma's back. In fact, so, can I share that? Is that right? So Ruby, do you, I don't know if you know this, but Ruby prayed for Gemma's back, right, a few weeks ago. Stop looking so shocked, Ruby, right? Okay. <laughs> I, was, I met with Gemma in the week and she, I said, how's your back, Gemma? She said, do you know, ever since Ruby prayed for me, I haven't really noticed it. It's been hurting. That is a gift of healing, operating in the church. We'll all come to you at the end, Ruby, all right? <clears throat> Ruby is not up here at the front. She's not Mrs. Dynamic, Mrs. I'm going to preach a great ministry. She's just Ruby. And she's just prayed for someone and the Lord has touched Gemma. And even if Gemma's not completely healed, Gemma would probably have taken the sense that God at least has made it feel better, right? And this is what, we we can so over-sensationalise these things, can't we? And make them into big things. I don't think that Paul saw them necessarily as big things all the time. I think it's just the outworking of normal life in the church. What about these then? What about the development gifts? Um, I don't want to say too much about these, but really, they are gifts that build up the church in practical ways. We need to manage the church effectively. Right? You may not realise it. You may have wandered in the building t- this morning and you thought to yourself, isn't it lovely that I've sat on these chairs, I've drunk my coffee, I've seen, been able to read the words on the screen for the people that were actually singing so I could hear them. How did that all happen? That happened because people have got spiritual gifts of administration. People have got spiritual gifts of leadership in bringing and making those things possible. So uh, that's really what the gifts, the gifts are. And I, I just want to, um, I'm just very conscious of time, um, but I, I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you, really, about uh, how we operate in these gifts. Firstly, love is the operational guideline for, for the gift. Does anyone know, who knows the, 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 the chapter of 1 Corinthians 13? They don't, have, they don't have that at their wedding. Yeah? Had it at your wedding. Love is patient, love is kind. Renee really needed to hear that. <laughs> yeah? That's actually not really talking about marriage at all. It's lovely that people read it at their, their wedding, because it's true, right? But actually, it's sandwiched between Corinthians chapter 12 and Corinthians chapter 14. What's Corinthians chapter 12 all about? Spiritual gifts. What's chapter 14 about? The spiritual gifts. And what Paul is basically saying, and we can read it here, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clamming cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, imagine that, faith to remove mountains, but I have not love, what am I? Nothing. doesn't mean anything. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is the operational guideline. Where so often the gifts of spirit are misused and abused is because they're not operated from the guideline of love. It's about ego. Let me show you my great power. I believe God's saying something to you and I do not care about the damage it's going to do to your life when that word is released. That's not how the gifts are intended to be used. I'm going to deliver a great tongue and everyone's going to listen to me for 15 minutes while I pray in tongues we're all asleep, we're bored, no one understands what you're talking about. It's not loving. 
Yeah? All right, I can have great faith that says I'm going to do this and do that, but I don't love. It doesn't mean anything. And when we want to know how do we use the gifts safely, we use them in the context of love. Secondly, I just want to say that these gifts are not for church meetings, primarily, I would say. And I think that one of the challenges we've got is we're, we're part of a charismatic movement. We, we were, um, you know, we grew up and um, the church traditionally focused very heavily on gifts in the context of a meeting. But when you read the New Testament, you don't see that it happened, it happened most of the time outside of the meeting. So in Acts, the gifts of, the, the, the gifts of faith, miracles and healings, they happened in the streets. And they happened in order to reveal the power of God and grace towards those that didn't yet know Jesus. I want to ask you a question. How do you operate the gift of hospitality in a meeting? Well, maybe in tea and coffee. Yeah, all right, okay, sorry. <clears throat> How do you operate the gift of administration in the context of a meeting? You don't. Not really. Right? Not unless you're going to go around counting the people that are in the meeting and, you know, how loud they sung or I don't know, whatever. You don't. These gifts were clearly not meant to be just for meetings. The best prophetic words I have received have all been written down and given to me outside of a meeting. The things that have mattered have all come outside of a meeting. I'm not saying that doesn't mean it, but personally. And as we know, our church is so much more than meetings. It's so much more than just meetings, isn't it? All right? And so it's really, really important that we, uh, that we recognise that these gifts are not just for meetings. The last thing I want to say, just very briefly on this, is that gifts can be dangerous. If I were to give Aaron, my six-year-old son, a chainsaw, a circular saw, a power drill, a kango, right, it would be dangerous. Himself, my garden would be destroyed, yeah, right, and probably other people would be injured in the process, right. The gifts of the Spirit are dangerous or can be dangerous if misused or not understood. And part of our challenge as elders is that we need to be positive and sensitive about how we use those gifts but how we also care for people that have those gifts and so I want to encourage you if you feel that you want to do something and it's a little bit wacky or it's a little bit odd or you think that maybe God is saying something to you I would like to encourage you to come and see me or John or Mark or Pat and say what do you think about this this could cause harm, what should I do and then hopefully one of us will say yeah we think that is what God is saying or maybe not yeah, maybe not, now is not the right time. So lastly, I want to finish with this point. What does Paul say? Did I put it down there? What does it say in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1? It says that we should earnestly or eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And so I want to finish this morning by just encouraging us just to stand and we're going to respond to the Lord I had more I was going to say, but I haven't had time to get through it. But let's stand up. And I want to challenge you this morning. Hopefully what you've understood is that you need to operate in the gift of grace that God has given you for the benefit of everybody else. And I want to encourage you to do what Paul says twice in these chapters, which is to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, to seek after them. And how do we do that? We seek more of Jesus. Because what is the spiritual gifts? Who are the spiritual gifts? They are the Spirit. They're not gifts, they're the Spirit. And so we're seeking more of the Spirit. But I want to just encourage you, as we're praying, and I'd like you to close your eyes. 
I would like you, if you would like to use the spiritual gifts more that the Lord has given you, I would like to ask you in a moment just to raise your hand. It doesn't have to be a big, like fully charismatic hand, yeah? Okay, it can be just a kind of a, you know, side-out hand, right? <coughs> um, but if you would like to say to God this morning, Lord, I want to desire the spiritual gifts in order that I might be a giver of grace to the church. I want you just to put your hand up. I'm not looking, I don't, I don't mind. It's the thing that you're saying with the Lord. And let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for us as a church. Thank you that we need the spiritual gifts. We need them. We need them to grow. And I want to pray that you would release more grace on us as a church. I want to pray that you would give us the boldness and the confidence to listen to that small voice. When we hear someone, we hear that little voice that says, you just need to say this, or you need to do that, or you need to go to that place. I pray that we would be attentive and we would be bold. Thank you that the spiritual gifts don't have to be weird or over the top or like trying to make people do things they don't want to do. Lord, it's about grace. It's about the, the outworking of your grace on us as a church. And I want to pray that we would start to see in our meetings, in our home groups, in the coffee shops, on the streets, the exercising of your grace through these gifts. That we would hear people begin to develop a gift of knowledge or wisdom or prophecy. Lord, we want to pray for miracles. We want to pray for faith to rise, for them to have a gift of faith. I believe God's going to do this. And we all say, well, crazy, but it happens because someone has the gift of faith. Lord, we want to pray for the greater gifts of administration and helps and service in the church, for the gift of leadership to the church. Lord, we just pray that you would bless us abundantly with your grace. Lord, and we would have the confidence together to see you do wonderful things amongst us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm sorry that I overran a little bit this morning.